0: welcome philly to your favorite sports show hosted by jesse town and sam wilson they're smart they're sexy and they're all philly so thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy the show
1: Hello
2: and welcome into episode number fifty-four of Babes on Broad. I'm Sam Wilson with my co-host Jesse Town, and we are the Babes on Broad brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Now let's get right to it, Jess. The four, eight, and one Philadelphia Eagles after their twenty-four to twenty-one over the Saints, led by no yeah. other than the rookie quarterback Jalen
1: Hurts. Yeah. I mean, they won. I'm so happy they won. <laughs> it's it's kind of the it's the weirdest win I think I've ever experienced as an Eagles fan because we didn't really know what to expect. Do we want to just wait for a draft pick that we know the organization's going to screw up anyway? The Cowboys also won. So like we were falling lower, you know, there's, there's half the people that really wanted Jalen Hurts to fail and half the people really wanted Jalen Hurts to succeed. It's, it's just a very, very strange season as it is. And I think this is one of the weirdest wins. And I think it's really strange that people are like, I didn't really know how to feel as it was going yeah. on. i was like, I don't know what's going on, but you have to be excited and happy about what you saw from Jalen Hurts and what you saw from the offense, from the deep, you, you, from everyone. You have to be happy about what you saw they're actually capable of doing, but wonder why it took us off.
2: No, and I agree with that completely. Like, I was excited for the win because, like you said, it's a win, and we saw other pieces other than Jalen Hurts performing very well, too. So that's very, like, finally we get to see that. But I think I will – like, I'll say I was so stressed. The better he did, the more stressed just because I was trying to think of, like, game plan, like, what's my opinion on this? And I really don't know what to expect. Like, I don't know if they're – going to let Jalen Hurts play out the rest of this year. And if he perform, keeps performing well, if they're going to keep him and then keep Carson and keep a controversy there, I don't know if they want to use him as a trade bait. Um, there's a lot of people going with the narrative now that Carson can never be coached by Doug again because Doug's had like an 11-2 record with without Carson and then like a 53-54 and 54 record with Carson. So like something nuts like that. So like, there's just so many, I don't know which narrative I can like actually see out like playing out or what narrative I think should happen. Like, I don't under, not understand, but I just don't know. Like it's stressing me out. Yeah. And props to him made it way tougher on all of us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to him for doing that. But let's talk about some of the, you know, the positives of the game. So, I mean, I think the biggest, the biggest point to make is they finally utilize the run game the way that they should. Jalen Hurts was a huge part of that. You know, the one yeah. one leg up he definitely has on Carson Wentz is Jalen is just oh. he's a freak athlete. He's 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 such a good athlete. Um, now we do have to keep in mind that, you know, Carson was way more willing to take off and make some of those plays with his legs a couple of years ago and then he tore an ACL and everyone was like, "He has to stop doing that. We have to make him stop doing that." Yeah, protect the baby kind him of his thing. Pocket. <laughs> well, this is this is what happens like you know, uh, God forbid any, any injury like that ever happened to Jalen Hurts. You hope it doesn't impact his game like that. So that's something you do have to keep in mind and know that's not me being a Wentz apologist. That's just a fact that we just have to uh, address. But the way that, they kind of utilized both things there and, and didn't get away from it regardless of what happened. Now, it helped that they were winning the whole time is why they didn't get away mm-hmm. from the run game. It'd be a yeah. different story if they were down 17 nothing as opposed to up 17 nothing. We don't know what will happen there. But the, the emphasis on the run game was something that obviously we had hoped we would see, and um, I'm, I'm glad that we actually did, especially against one of the better run defenses in the NFL, um, sticking to it the way that they did obviously was a big key to their success on Sunday.
2: Yeah. It's like the first time the Eagles have had two 100 yard rushers in, I don't even remember the stat. I mean, obviously the run game had a huge part of it. Um, That was one of my things. Jalen had a great game, but it was majority because of his run game. Like, even if you look at his throwing stats, like he only threw, he was 17 for 30 with 167 yards. So it's not like he blew them away with his
1: quarterback skills other yeah. than the run. You know what right. I mean? Absolutely. And he's still – I mean, watching him go through his reads was agonizing. I, I mean, he, he's, he made really good decisions through the entire game, which is huge, and not something we've seen up to this point is good decision-making mm-hmm. by anybody. Yeah, He made no, really right. good decisions, which I very much appreciated.
2: That's been one of Carson's um, biggest walls this
1: year. 100%. And he – but Jalen definitely also still left plays out there. He, again, doesn't go through his reads well, but again – that goes back to coaching. There's no reason we should be having this problem. I know he's a rookie, but like still, I mean, how long until the coaching staff and the quarterback coach and whatever screws him up too, um, because I, I still think he, he has work to do there. Again, he, he's a rookie, you know, not, yeah. not trying to be overly critical, but you know, it's, it's still the truth, but you're right. His legs are, you know, what, and, and we talked about this in our pregame show on Sunday. If they were going to win this game, Sticking to the run game and Jalen Hurts being a big part of that run game was what was going to make them successful. Him out yeah. T- uh Taysom Hill in the run game is what was going to lead them to a win. Yeah, and, and before tough- I look negative for pointing
2: that out, I do just want to say the fact that he can lean on his run game means that he's going to be able to grow in that passing game because when he gets in tough situations – yeah, he can bail out in that run. So it's only going to give him more confidence and let him allow him to grow in his passing game as well. So yeah. it'll eventually lead well for Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to have a great career, whether he's in Philly or whether he's not.
1: Right. And I think the play designs were a little bit better on Sunday. Not the play calling. I still thought the play calling was extremely predictable, i.e. the fourth down where Malcolm Jenkins saw it coming from outside of the stadium. To be fair, though. Because they already got,
2: like, three fourth, fourth downs by that time. So, like, I feel like, by obviously, they're eventually going to stop on one fourth down. And they had to keep the play calling simple because it was a rookie quarterback. Everybody was just kind of – so they even came out afterwards and said, our play plan or our game plan was a, a very simple thing. Cause it was one
1: of the things I was like, well,
2: why didn't you just make it simple when your team was struggling so bad?
1: Sure. But I still thought that it was way too predictable. There's a way to make the play calling simple, but not predictable. Like for example, the quarterback sneak on fourth and one that got absolutely blown up and they lost a yard. I mean, not ideal. That's not what they were yes. doing on fourth down to that point that was successful. And they decided to make a stupid decision. Doug made another stupid decision and instead of continuing to do what was working, they decided to do something else. If they were going to bring Wentz in for a play or a series like they did with Jalen Hurts, that was the one. That was the yes. one. Carson Wentz doesn't lose those. That man is 6'5", 220. He's not losing those. But you know, I thought they just designed them better. They didn't. They still weren't rolling him out because they weren't rolling the whole offensive line out one way or another. Mm-hmm. But they were running those bootlegs to let Jalen get a little bit more space. So he wasn't standing in the pocket, letting it collapse, and you know, taking unnecessary hits. He only took one hit. And on that touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey, that was the only time. So the offensive line stepped up as well, which was really nice to see. You know, we'll have another version of that offensive yeah, line. Unfortunately, everyone stepped up from the, from the defense to the offensive line. Miles Sanders played with better patience. Alshon Jeffrey remembered how to use his hands. What a time to be for one, was For one pass. Still missed time <laughs> to jump, by the way. Still missed time to jump. That yeah. was But um, I also think the defense should get a lot of credit for the way they played. On oh, a hundred percent. And and this this might be a little bit of a hot take here, but say what you want about Jim Schwartz, and I know we all have. We've talked a lot about how Jim is supposedly has control over the defensive roster, and he makes you know. But it's something as simple as like last year when he was choosing between uh, Zach Brown or. Um, you know, I, 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 the names escaped me. The guy who ended up going to the Patriots and having like a phenomenal year. And he, Patrick Zach, no, it was a linebacker, Jamie, something. His last name escaped me. But anyway, he, he had a decision, like how it was like pick Zach Brown or this guy. And he was like, mm-hmm. I want Zach Brown. Okay. That was the wrong decision. All right. You, yeah. You know, he can take the L there. Fine. But now knowing what we know and seeing what we have this season of Howie, what he's doing, what he's done, going – you know, everyone submitting Justin Jefferson as their first-round draft pick and Howie going behind their backs and saying we're taking – and selecting Jalen Rager. Everyone submitting Jeremy Chin as their second-round pick and Howie going behind their backs and picking Jalen Hurts. All of these things and knowing what we know now, how much do we actually fault him for the roster that they have? Because Sunday they were dropping – You mean Jim Schwartz or Howie? Jim Schwartz. Okay, because so, you just got
2: me heated thinking about all that Howie stuff, and I was just like – Sorry, you blacked
1: out for a second. Yeah, I blacked so out. That's what I'm saying. How much do we really fault Jim Schwartz for the guys that are on the roster? Because Sunday, oh. against some really good, talented players, he put his guys, the Alex Singletons, the all of the backup corners and their backups – I mean, they were dropping like flies on the defense on, on Sunday, and he had – all of his guys in the perfect positions to succeed. No, yeah, I definitely think that
2: what we know from Howie now takes a lot of pressure off of him. And Jim Schwartz, it's kind of always been his thing. Like last year when um, they made it to the playoffs, the beginning of the year, their defense was terrible. And it was the same thing we were talking about this year with injuries and just Jim Schwartz scheme. And they were terrible and his everybody was questioning for his job. But then by the end of it, he did the same thing that he's kind of doing now, and flipped it and made him good again. So I think it's just more not that he's not good; he's just inconsistent. Sure, and I, that's with, the way to put it. Yeah, and you could make an argument that if Howie wasn't there calling the pieces, maybe he could put players where he wants them, and that yeah. would affect it. So you could make that argument. Um, I definitely, I don't know what I would do, like, right off the top of my head for next year. I mean, I don't know if I would have him back or have him gone, because that is a fair point. Sure. But it's definitely interesting. I mean, Alex Singleton its one of the guys that when Nate Gary got hurt, we were like, oh, yeah, Nate Gary's backup. But, no, he's performing very well, and he's been performing very well. And Josh Sweat, another another great game, and he had two sacks. One was a strip sack that the Eagles ended up recovering, which ultimately led to – Miles Sanders getting that final touchdown. So, I mean, he, he's got good pieces here and there that he's developed.
1: Right. And he's putting those pieces, like, you know, having Duke Riley in the position to make that interception. He gave all mm-hmm. the credit to Jim Schwartz for having him in that position to be able to make yeah. that. I, th- I just think that given, like, a, you can choose this guy or this guy, I think that's where Jim might have, quote, control over the defensive roster and, like, do you want to keep this guy or do you want to keep this guy? I think that might be where his actual opinion really comes in, and where how he listens. But other than that, building this roster, I truly doubt. Like, because then why wouldn't Doug have that control over the offensive roster? You know what I mean? The quote. No, that's a great call. point. So I just, I just don't think that as much stock should be put into that at this point. Now knowing what we know, granted, putting Nate Gary on Chase Claypool, you know, I- at the end of the Steelers game in a close game like that, that's Jim. Right, like that's yeah. that's that's on Jim Schwartz. I know they were only it, it was only Taysom Hill, but Taysom Hill hasn't lost, you know, as a starter until Sunday. He 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 played really well. He, the, their run game is really good with guys like Latavius Murray and mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara. Michael Thomas is still out there. You know, like they did a really good job of containing that offense and not ever really getting you know, with having their backs against the wall at any point. So I I give Jim Ford a lot of credit for for what they put out there on Sunday, especially when they were losing guys to injuries. I agree. So let's talk about that.
0: I was just going
2: to say, let's get into the not so good that we saw Sunday, even though we brought up a lot of it. But one of them you just mentioned mentioned was injuries. Right. And that's one thing that astounds me from this performance is the fact that we lost – So many people in that secondary. That's already was a concern of ours. Like you already said, they brought in backups, and they somehow were able to contain Michael Thomas. And I mean, a lot of the run defense pressure was able to help them out. But it's a big thing. So Rodney McLeod is done for the year with an ACL sprain. The Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate from the Eagles.
1: I can't believe he worked out of ACL. I can't believe
2: he did. I you knew it was bad bad. though. Seeing it was a non-contact. He was trying to avoid hitting Taysom Hill because of the quarterback role, like the late hit role. But it just sucks to see, man, because as soon as it happened, you could just see it, like, kind of jerk, and, yeah. and it, it, oh
1: And it, it breaks my heart. Also, wouldn't it be nice to have Will Parks here still? Besides the
2: fact he tried to have a little drama on the Twitter. Do you see? I'm that? here for it.
1: I'll support him wholeheartedly on with for the drama on the Twitter. I don't know. I feel Ask like he's calling to- out the players
2: because after Rodney and Slay and them tweeted at each other and said that like oh like bra like we'll be good blah 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 whatever they said. Will Parks like basically not? Is it subtweet when you don't add them? Yes. Yeah, so he basically su-
1: subtweeted them and was like... Do you think he was something? targeting the whole team? I don't think he was targeting just that group of people. I think he was targeting, like, the whole team. Like, oh, they're going to pr- try to pretend now that they're brothers and everything's good and there's no issues going on? Okay. That's interesting. If that's they all something. get hurt, they go in and they try to act like they're all family? All right.
2: You're right. It could be a bigger version or it could be the smaller version. I have no clue.
1: Because that's... So when yeah. I read it, I was like, I... So... I didn't, uh, to be completely honest, I didn't put it together about the three of the uh, members of the secondary that got hurt all tweeting at each other. I didn't put that together about, I just took it as he, he was just totally going after the Oh, I hope he's talking like, at the team. He, oh my God, yeah. Like, because he, I, he I agree with that. To try to act like they're like everything's all hunky-dory in the, yeah. in the locker room. All right, that's hilarious. Because there's clearly a divide, and there's clearly copious amounts of issues. Going on, and um, and it's just all by Howie. It's just so frustrating. Okay, back to really injuries. Back to injuries. Anyway, okay, Jack Driscoll done for the year with a high MCL sprain. Um, get ready for some Brett talk, Matt Pryor right tackle magic. Let's get this. Yeah. Um, Darius lazy concussion protocol, and Avante Maddox quote will miss time. I assume we're not going to see him again this year. Yeah. Um, maybe later this year. I mean, if they happen to make the playoffs, maybe. We'll see. But Yeah. Um, again, shooting themselves in the foot, five penalties, still not great. Um, things like, uh, you know, Jordan Mailata's false start was his first false, false start. Also getting used to the different cadences from a new quarterback. Yeah. You know, things like that. But, you know, there were a couple in there that are just like, hey, come on, let's not. Um,
2: yeah, there were back-to-back there when they were in the red zone. I think it was like – second half I think it was in the fourth but back-to-back penalties on them after they had great field position and it took them they still ended up scoring thankfully but it took them from like the one to the 15 or something like that so it's just stupid stuff like that that comes
1: into play um Jake Elliott not good um if anybody if if Eagles fans are telling the Eagles to take a
2: 60 million whatever it ends up being for Carson's cap hit Take the like 3. million 3.5 million or something. That it is for Jake Elliott's cap hit then, because why not? Because he's that bad. Yeah.
1: Um. I still question a lot of the decisions that the Eagles are making as a whole. Uh. Why? Why? Why is Greg Ward returning punts? Jalen Rager was the first Eagle to return a punt for a touchdown since Darren Sproles in 2015, and they went, yeah, let's put Greg Ward back out there. And I tweeted that, and so many people were like, "You know, the sideline hurt. He wasn't hurt. He was fine. Uh, yeah." I know he pun on my first punt of the game. Either he ran he the entire length of the field when Miles Sanders scored a touchdown. He ran all 80 yards and met him in the end zone. Yeah, stop it.
2: Stop. I agree with that. I mean, and as fast as he's supposed to be, he might have tweaked a hamstring, but that doesn't mean that he's not fast and getting smoked. Then you know what I mean. So he, he makes but, better decisions back there than Greg Ward does. Well, okay. So on that point, I forget what coach it was this press conference or this. Yeah, in the press conferences this week. Most likely a special teams coach. I forget who it was, though, specifically. Did come out and say, because they were asked why Greg Ward was back there. And he said it's because Greg Ward makes better decisions than Jalen Rager back there. That's what the team thinks.
1: Well, that's hilarious, because I have not seen Greg Ward make the right decision one time. And we <laughs> saw Jalen Rager back there once. And he made the right decision about four different times when he avoided getting tackled to score a touchdown. Um, you know, continuing with the wide receivers, uh, Quez Watkins out snapping Travis Fulgham. Why? Speaking of huh? speaking of wide receivers, they literally
2: combined all of them combined for eighty four yards, and that's with a forty yard catch by Jalen Rager. Without that one catch, that's forty four yards the Eagles' wide receivers combined for.
1: I have an Ridiculous. enormous problem with the Eagles' inability to make their first-round pick a prominent part of their offense. Like, listen, Justin Jefferson has over 1,000 yards this season so far. Jalen Brager has under 300. I get he missed a few games with an injury. I get that. But that gap should not be so big. It's utilization and install. Or they made the wrong decision on draft night, which is fine. But... They could still use Jalen Rager in a bigger way. We talked about this. Justin Jefferson was the obvious choice. Still think they should have chose him at 21. However, I'm not upset that Jalen Rager's an eagle, but he's not being – I mean, all it took what? We've seen two reverses with Jalen Rager in how many games? Like, we're going into week 15. I know we missed a few, but, like, we've seen that twice. Don't tell me that he's got speed and we're going to utilize his speed and put a bunch of creative things in there for his speed. That's why we drafted him and not do it. The inability to incorporate him in this offense is more is so unbelievably telling. I mean it's it's awful.
2: Yeah. I know. I'm not It's so frustrating because it's coaching, it's player development. I don't know what it really comes down to, but the fact is he's not performing like how a first round number 21 overall should perform and all i can say about it is please please stick to the four main food groups ohio state lsu clemson alabama who am i forgetting
1: no that's it you hit all four yeah i i just um take a page out of the sixers book for me for a minute listen to what the sixers did obvious choice there Couldn't believe he fell there. Killer from Kentucky. Let's not get cute. Let's just take Mm. the obvious choice. And it works. Imagine. It almost
2: always works. I feel like when you choose a top athlete from one of those schools that really performs at those schools, it almost always works unless an injury throws off their career.
1: And if it doesn't, no one's going to argue because everyone's going to be like,
2: it's not your fault. It's their fault.
1: Right. Like that didn't work out but I would nine times, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred, I still would have made that pick. Right. All right. So now we'll go back into positive for a hot sec. Let's run. What are your, what are your three uh, top three reasons for the Eagles win, Sam?
2: Okay. So my number one is just the whole entire team stepping up. It's something that we haven't seen. We talked about balance all year and we finally saw it. So, I mean, that is my ultimate reason for this win is everybody played their part besides wide receivers, but um, (laughs) they were picked up by other areas. So, The whole team stepping up is my number one overall reason. My number two is Jalen Hurts because he was that reason Mm -hmm. they all stepped up. He, I mean, whether we all agree with it or not, he – I mean, maybe it is as simple as dropping him in there and it lights a spark. And also, um, you had it written down, I'm not sure if we hit on it, maybe other people were afraid to lose their job because if you bench your quarterback, it really tells to the other players – I'm really not safe. Carson's not safe. Yeah, literally. So I think that might've <laughs> helped out there. The only <laughs>
1: person that's safe is Cameron Johnston. Yeah, literally. Boy, literally. Um, my number three
2: is Doug Peterson. I know you probably don't agree with that, but I just think because overall he had a great scheme and he actually played to his quarterback strengths, something we haven't seen for majority of the year. And I know you said he's a little predictable, but I think that he just had to kind of make it simple because it was hurts in there for his rookie game. You don't want to, you know what I mean? Overwhelming. So I think Doug's my number three for that. We'll also see how it plays out next week. We'll get into this, our episode later this week, but because now they got film on Hertz.
1: So we'll see how that plays into it. And the secondary has to cover DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk and Kyler Murray. I was going to say, and chase down Kyler Murray. So that'll be exciting. Um, So my top three, Jalen Hurts. I thought he made really good decisions all night, talked about how he he left some plays out there. But, you know, I I think ultimately his spark and his energy um, was really what carried them through. The offensive line, I thought they rallied and played their best game of the season, you know, to allow Jalen to really stay protected, but also to allow the run game to flourish the way it did. Um, And then the defense, that's where I'm going to go with my last one, because I think without them being able to get off the field quickly, you know, and and the offense was able to – It allowed them to get out to a lead, allowed them to be able to continue utilizing that run game and, you know, continue to do what they were doing and not have to force Jalen Hurts to play some sort of hero ball to try to get them back in a game or keep them in a game or something like that. So I thought the defense playing as well as they did was a really crucial component to that win. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on in Philly because I'm hype. You are listening to the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com.
2: Welcome back into episode number 54. Jess, your favorite thing
1: besides the Eagles. I love it. Take us to the Sixers pregame. Oh. Er preseason game (laughs) speaking of Sixers pregame we are going to find some Sixers games that we'll do a pregame show for we'll find some good ones maybe like on a Friday or Saturday or something or when they're playing you know the Celtics or the Lakers or like something like that games fun games we'll do we'll definitely get that going so so keep your eye out for that but the Sixers I mean it took approximately 30 seconds for me to sit there and be like wow Dwight Howard Danny Green and Seth Curry are all really Philadelphia 76ers I mean Danny Green I can't believe it I can't believe it. We were all so excited about his shooting, but, like, let's keep in mind his defense is is championship level. and yeah. It's a big reason. Back-to-back why, championship level. Back-to-back <laughs> championship level. He's a huge reason why both those teams won those championships and a huge reason why when he was a free agent after um, he he won the championship in Toronto, I I he was one of – him and Seth Curry were the two guys I really wanted in that yeah. field. See? And it's because we needed a guy that could – shoot the three, and play defense. That's what we needed. And because you saw with a guy like J.J. Redick, like he could shoot that three. We knew he we might lose him in free agency, but that guy couldn't play defense for anything. I love J.J. Redick so much, and I do wish he was still here, but the defense was just unbearable to watch sometimes. So a guy that could not only shoot the three but also play elite-level defense, huh? Oh. Dwight Howard and Tony Bradley, I mean, we've tried to convince ourselves that everyone we've had in the last four years as a legit, like, as a backup five was a legit backup. They weren't. Um, and now Closest we have is really- probably Mike Scott, right? I mean, he he was the most tenacious, I guess. But, like, we tried to convince our... I mean, like, we love Boban, right? But, like, he wasn't yeah. good enough no. to back up Joel. And He's people. just, like, seven, eight feet tall. Right. And too too much of our offense was run through the center position with Brett Brown, that like it was such a big transition that it like the fall-off was was way too big. You can still utilize Dwight Howard in a big role, but you're also not going to suffer in in the board. You're not going to you take a step back in terms of defense. Like, and now that he has been on a championship team and sort of understands and has kind of reformed the way he thinks about being a role player. That's huge for the Sixers team. And Tony Bradley's been backing up Rudy Gobert for the last however many years. So bringing those two – both of them in here is I, – I mean, I, I can't even believe it. And, I mean, Seth Curry. What is there to say about Seth Curry? The man is literally just a sniper. But last night, I mean, obviously, preseason game one, right? Like, it was funny because Joe was like, I, I'm not going to – I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make any assumptions about this team right now. I'm not going to get excited, and I'm over here, like, jumping up and down, dancing <laughs> with a psycho, like, championship here we come. They didn't run any plays for Joel Embiid per Doc Rivers. The man still had 18 points last night. They ran no plays for Joel, and he still had 18 points. He was wide open on the elbow multiple times because defenses actually have to worry about other things. So he's just open in his spot. Love Why that. are you leaving Joel Embiid open? But the movement on the offense was great, and it's so refreshing to see. It's, 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 oh, it's so wonderful. And Tyrese Maxey played the whole fourth quarter. This man is a walking bucket. Like, he plays with so much energy, he plays so fast, and it's something that we haven't seen. Like, our backup guards have been Howell Netto. What it like, uh, ugh, what? I can't. Personally, I would love to see Seth Curry come off the bench and give us that scoring. However, if Tyrese Maxey is going to come in and just get buckets and play defense, sold. (laughs) Sold. Done. Sold. (laughs) I can't believe he fell to them. Yeah. I am so happy.
2: They finally made the simple move. We said it earlier.
1: Made the simple decision. Just draft somebody out. I mean, like, what Kentucky just produces play. Like, you want to talk about a factory? Kentucky. Yeah, and, and even Coach Cal was like, "They they stole him. Like, <laughs> there's there's no reason he should have been there." And the way he played, and keep in mind, he hadn't even been here because he didn't. I think he tested positive for COVID, so he hadn't been with the team for all of camp. He had been here for like three days, and so it's you know, only going to get better
2: when he builds that
1: camaraderie
2: with the team and gets in sync with them. Yeah, and yeah. that's exciting.
1: So I think. You know, the, the best thing about it is there's a, there's something to be excited about again. Besides and, Flyers, but... Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I'm super excited for when the Flyers come back. I just mean in terms of the Sixers, we have reasons to be excited again. I will fight anybody about Ben Simmons. It took me approximately four minutes into the game to, to start. I just don't understand why we're complaining about something when we... we I mean, it,
2: it's, when it quite literally can't even happen. Though. Like, I mean... Sorry, I'm going ahead of it. But like, but all the people saying, "Yeah, he can't shoot." Blah 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 blah. blah. Doc Rivers has come out and said that in his system, it's not as big of a priority as everybody thinks. And two with the trade talk, one, you're just nuts if you think that Ben Simmons should be traded for freaking. I'm blanking on his name. Harden.
1: Did you like the- timeout? Did you see the picture of James Harden?
2: He literally looks like JP. That was my favorite one. I retweeted it. It literally looks
1: like Jason Peters out there. That price tag dropped immensely. They lost all oh. leverage. All Dude, leverage. It,
2: it should have. Oh. I, wanna, I didn't watch their preseason game, obviously, but I want to see how his stamina – like, he does not look healthy. Uh-uh. I can't see a basketball player running up and down the court with that.
1: Listen to me. You're not getting Ben Simmons for that. I'm not trading Ben Simmons athleticism for that. I'm not trading Ben Simmons. I'm not trading
2: Ben Simmons athleticism for anybody right now. But
1: I think it's just – I've said before, there's not one person in the NBA I'm trading Ben Simmons for. Not one. No.
2: And I think it's just ridiculous that people even still want to talk about it and then especially ridiculous when they say it's for Harden because Doc Rivers has quite literally come out and said he's off the table. Him and Joel are off the table.
1: Right. And we have to keep in mind, I mean, Ben Simmons is 24, Joel Embiid is what, 27, 26, 27, somewhere around there. Some of the best players in NBA history didn't win until they were in their late 20s. Michael Jordan didn't get to the finals and win his first NBA championship until he was 28. And people conveniently want to leave that out of an argument over what, oh, what are these people done by twenty-four? James Harden was in the finals. Okay, James Harden was the sixth man on that yeah. team, the sixth man on that Thunder team, and they won exactly. in the finals. By the way, James Harden doesn't have a ring to show anybody. Okay, and then you want to talk about oh well, Tim Duncan. Okay, well think about the Hall of Famers that he was with. Kawhi that was Lex, just a great team well, and a great coach. the Hall of Famers that he was with. Come on, and literally like, coaching Hall of Fame too. That's right. one thing that's right. Well, Kobe, Kobe was drafted out of high school and didn't win until they hired Phil Jackson. So let's give the Sixers a chance. Let's give our young guys a chance with a guy like Doc Rivers, and let's see what happens. Yeah, the so only like, when people
2: say that, the only person they're looking at has to be LeBron. That's the only person you can argue, and that's the only. Oh, I'm he's, sorry, one of the greatest players of all that's time. What I'm saying. He literally doesn't even count.
1: <laughs> right, like he, he's an he's an animal. The man's in, going into year 18 of his NBA career. And he's knock on all of the wood. Never had a major injury of any kind. Like, let's keep Ben Simmons lost his first year to a major injury, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, you know, it, I understand the I understand the frustration, but let's let's not start complaining about a functioning offense because mm-hmm. you have a problem with the way Ben Simmons plays. Like, agreed. It's not it's not a Sixers problem. Like, it's it's a you problem. And to say Ben Simmons hasn't improved over the last couple years is stupid, one. Um, it it – it, it just because he doesn't improve in the, where, in the place that you want him to improve doesn't mean he hasn't improved. Again, that's a you problem that you need to figure out. Just because you're upset with the way he plays and he's not a, quote, traditional point guard. Agreed. Get over it. People. Anyway – now we've, we're, we're going to you know bring it back in. Thank you again for listening to Episode 54. Be sure to keep an eye out for our pregame show this week. They play again at 4, so we'll be back around 2.45. Thank you, as always, to SP Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We will talk to you on Sunday.
0: B.G.N.